blowing smoke. They're on fire. The hottest rock and roll band in America. Star Wars fans, move milkers. I can't say this is an this is an episode of Blast Points, <laughs> but we are Blast Points. This is Jason, and this is Gabe, and we are talking about something different for a change. And we have another person here to talk about something different, and that's me. That's Tom Spina. I never know if I'm supposed to intro myself or if. <laughs> well, you just did. It worked. Tom, Gabe, let's let's talk about this this special new series that we're starting here. Let, let's let's describe what's going on here for folks. I'll, I'll take this. We off air seem to gravitate towards the same subjects over and over, and a recurring one has been the mighty Van Halen. Uh, and I think uh, I, I pitched to you guys the idea of doing a little something different, and uh, Jason. Gave us this brilliant idea of the 1984 project and going through the seminal mid-80s album and going track by track, getting our our in-depth thoughts and feelings and uh, hopes and dreams and all of that about them and just trying to make something fun out of it. And to do it in an awesome 19-minute and 84-second package. Yeah, for for you folks playing at home, that's twenty minutes, twenty four seconds. Yeah, and we are going to go through every track on the album. Over, I don't know how long it's going to take us. We're going to have special guests coming on and joining us. It's going to be insane. So let's kick this off right away with the the theme music, right? The the incredible theme music. So now here we go, folks. The timer is going to start, and we have 19 minutes, 84 seconds to discuss the title track of Van Halen's 1984, titled just 1984, and so much else. So here we go. The timer is about to begin. Diamond Dave, kick us off. All right, first thing we should talk about is the incredible intro music, who, which, what was done by none other than Tom, who, in addition to all his other abilities, is a crazy guitar player. <laughs> crazy indeed. I Thank you. You guys pitched the idea of doing a, a little theme, and you said, you know, maybe come up with a little VH-ish lick. Uh, and, and, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun to put together. And my friend Barry, who, uh, will be joining us on a future episode, Barry from, uh, the regular Joe's podcast, great collectibles podcast out there. 
helped do the guitar recording and the bass on it. He brought uh, brought over a great bass and a bunch of microphones, and we mic'd up my amps and we gave it a shot. And um, yeah, had a little fun with that. Thank you. Glad glad you dig it. So where do we begin with Van Halen, nineteen eighty four? Tom, what, what's your what's your nineteen eighty four? What's your Van Halen history? Oh gosh. Um, so you know, I think like a lot of guitar players, that's you know the the fifty thousand dollar question or whatever. <laughs> the um, there's there's before Eddie and after Eddie. You know, there's before you've heard Van Halen and after hearing Van Halen when you play guitar. If you grew up in the time I did, um, and. I was kind of lucky in that I started playing guitar right around 1984. I've been playing uh, for apparently a very long time now that I start doing the math. <laughs> but um, I was lucky that I never – I didn't own any Van Halen albums at the time. And I had gotten a couple of Motley Crue albums first. And I say I was lucky because as great a guitar player as Mick Morris is, is and as much as I absolutely love the stuff he does, it's definitely more accessible to a new guitarist than Eddie's stuff. And it really is until about like 1986 or 80, uh, I guess it was 86 because that's when Live Without a Net came out. And, you know, watching Eddie play live on that uh, that special absolutely blew me away and drew me in. And all of a sudden I could – see all the things I was hearing and you could kind of say like, oh, that's how he's getting that sound or that looks like it's a, a pick scrape or that's this or that's a, you know, all this stuff that now it was like, oh, I can start putting this together. How do I figure this out? And because I was just teaching myself at this point and um, just ran with that. It, it was, you know, the rabbit hole of rabbit holes. Um, uh, it, it, for me, uh, it's just kind of always been uh, uh, monsters and, and makeup and puppets and guitars. And those are, are all pretty, pretty on par with each other in my life as a, as a, um, as a thing. And, um, and it's certainly, you know, there's a, a lot of other aspects to, um, Eddie and his playing and all of that. And that's all stuff I'm sure we'll talk about throughout the course of this thing, because, you know, in every song on every one of these albums, you're able to pull, uh, all these great little tidbits about what was going on at the time and what Eddie was doing and where things came from and what the band was doing. And it's just, um, I thought this would be a lot of fun to talk about. And I got to give Jason huge credit for like instantly coming up with the idea of 19 colon 84 when I suggested, Hey, we should do something about Van Halen. Like that came out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love you know podcasts that I have a lot of respect for podcasts that like do an entire band's catalog song by song, but it's always a tricky thing. To, I always think to pull off, and yeah, 1984 I thought was yeah a perfect way to kind of tackle this massive album in Van Halen history. When's the first time you saw Van Halen live, Tom? Oh gosh, um, and just to go back to your the the, the concept here though i love that it's bite-sized as you know as much as 20 minutes of talking about one song can be and i it's it just is um it's a really cool kind of like an achievable podcast <laughs> you know we didn't set out to to do all of their career every bootleg and every live version like it was no no well it's one album very short episodes so 
credit credit to you for setting realistic goals for us. Speaking of, we got 15 minutes left. So, oh gosh, speed it up. Uh, first time I saw them live, uh, it was it was uh, with Sammy. It was on the uh, Carnal Knowledge Tour. Um, uh, one of the greatest shows ever. We brought a giant beach ball to the show. Yes. And so we went, we were like, oh, we got to get a beach ball and bring it to the show. But it was October in New York and every place that had beach balls had no beach balls at that point. And we wound up going to like one of these pool specialty stores and they literally had like a pool set up in the middle and there was a giant like four foot beach ball in the middle of the pool. And that was like the only beach ball they had in the store. And it was like inflated. We were like, deflate it, give it to us. And we spray painted it with Eddie guitar stripes. And my buddy Mike snuck it into the the show down like the leg of his pants. And, you know, so here's the thing, though. We we didn't think this through because this is now a giant four-foot beach ball that we're trying to inflate. And maybe it's like three feet, but it was huge. It was this massive beach ball. So we eventually get to the show. We, we, We were way up in the back. He pulls it out after the first few songs. We start inflating it. We're passing it back and forth. It was till the the last song before the encore. I think they did uh, "Dream Is Over" from uh, from that album, and uh, that's when we finally got it inflated. And th- we toss it into the crowd, and we're just the whole section is cheering for this thing because they've seen it get inflated over the whole time. We toss it into the crowd, not expecting anything, and it starts making its way to the stage. And we just start freaking out because, like, oh, my God, I didn't even think of that. Like, we didn't know that was going to be a possibility. And the whole crowd in our section, we were, like, section 326 or whatever in the Nassau Coliseum, way up high in the back. They were all going, ball, 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 cheering (laughs) the ball on like we're going to help it. And the ball eventually – Gets right to the line of security. And I'm just waiting for like the security guard with the pocket knife to like pop the thing and take it. It goes right into Sammy's hands. He grabs it. He sits on it and he finishes singing the song. Oh, wow. Oh, man. And then they start kicking it around. Eddie kicked it, uh, punched it with his hand. Mike kicks it. Eddie and uh, they go to take their bow and Sammy's holding it. And they're, they're kind of like gesturing like, hey, nice ball. Like, I mean, it's it was amazing. Some I had a VHS bootleg of the show. And oh, and the best part was they come back for the encore, and the ball comes back out of nowhere. <laughs> this is amazing. Um, so that was my first live show with uh, with VH. Eddie's uh, sound in that show was one of the best uh, engineered sounds I'd ever heard. He was he had uh, the Music Man guitar, which is I, I've got one. It's one of my favorite guitars ever, and uh, he had the original fifty one fifty at the time. And his tone on that tour was so solid. It was, you know, a little bit processed, but it was full and rich and it didn't have, uh, it wasn't too high, high pitched or piercing or whatever you would call that, uh, that, that, you know, tones in live concerts tend to get. And, um, yeah, just, just an amazing show. Gabe, what's your Van Halen history really quick? So I didn't really realize it until thinking about it for this like just kind of how big 1984 kind of was i think subconsciously for me because i think i'm a little younger than you tom i think i was around eight or nine when 1984 came out but i was obsessed with mtv i watched mtv all day every day oh and that meant i saw you know the panama video the jump video the hot for teacher video all the time and i kind of just 
was kind of obsessed with Van Halen. I think um, the outrageousness of Van Halen and David Lee Roth in those videos kind of uh, just warped my sensibilities at an early age. Uh, it started to get me into wanting to play the guitar, which I didn't start for a few years after that. Uh, one thing I remember was we had a like a school carnival and they had the the lady doing face painting and you could get like rainbows and, you know, cat eyes and all that stuff. And for some reason they had the option to get the Van Halen logo. So <laughs> I went to the, to the face painting lady and got the Van Halen logo painted on my cheek. That's amazing. Uh, which I vividly remember. She was like, she didn't want to do it. She's like, I'm not very good at that one. I was like, well, that's the one that I want. So you're going to do it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it, that kind of, you know, as a, as a young child kind of warped me into, uh, the person that I kind of grew up to be and eventually, you know, learning to play guitar and getting more into, uh, their other albums as I got yeah. older. Um, and I always remember too, like I was in a, uh, seventies, eighties, like disco dance band for a long time. And I would always do like jumping karate kicks, which is definitely, oh. uh, the David Lee Roth yeah. uh, influence <laughs> there. So it kind of, yeah. It definitely, definitely uh, warped me as a young child. For sure. You know, I'm going to throw in one other young child thing because, I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, just a few years older than you. But I remember being in school and we would have um, the, the sort of morning exercise thing at school. And uh, it was like, I guess it was just morning gym class. But you would always start gym class. We would take a 45, put it on the player, and you would have to kind of do, you know, basic calisthenics to it or whatever, jumping jacks and stuff like that. And jump was one of those 45s and that would get picked like nine times out of 10. And the, the 10th time was always Joan Jett. I love rock and roll because it was one of the shortest ones. And it was like someone who was just like, I just don't want to do so many jumping jacks. Like I, I'm, I'm putting Joan Jett on guys. I'm sorry. And we're just like, Oh, come on. We want the one with the kid with the cigarette. And, uh, you know, <laughs> can we talk about the album cover? Actually, wait, we skipped over Jason. Hold on. Wait, no, my story My story is not as interesting at all. It's very similar to Gabe where I, just like Gabe, you know, would watch MTV forever and ever. And I was really into like the David Lee Roth like solo album, like the oh, video, yeah. like uh, just a gigolo and stuff and the totally bizarre like videos with him at the convenience Ugh. store and all that stuff. I thought that stuff was just the greatest, but I would, it didn't inspire me to play guitar. I never saw him in concert. So I, I'm really going to enjoy this 1984 series. Cause I can just kind of step back and let you guys go. And when we bring guests in, let people go. Um, I, do, I just think it's – I'm just fascinated by uh, hearing about music and people that are, uh, like, uh, obsessive about it as, as like we are with Star Wars but with something else. Mm. And I always think of uh, my theory with all heavy metal, hard rock, whatever, that it, if there's two seeds and one was Black Sabbath and one was Led Zeppelin, the two trees that have grown out of those seeds – Every branch of heavy metal hard rock comes from either one of those trees. Although I think Motley Crue might be a combination of both. Mm. That's that's another thing. But I think Van Halen is definitely of the Led Zeppelin tree. And I think just that's that's just fascinating. Now everything that came after Van Halen, which I'm sure we'll get into as this series goes on. What's interesting though is Eddie Van Halen's a big Black Sabbath fan and he's like good friends with yeah. Tony Iommi. So it might be another <laughs> where the yeah, roots hit both. Yeah. Well, 
I always, you know, one of the ones I always kind of find interesting is, you know, uh, a band like Queen and being able to trace back, obviously, you know, the, the Beatles influence with the, just the variety of music that they put out. And I feel like VH has a degree of that. There's obviously a style, but they certainly never, you know, uh, uh, shaved off five minutes of one long song to make, you know, like, like the, the, every, every song has a little something unique about it. And some of the albums are really varied. Um, but to go then to, to a band like extreme where you can sort of draw uh, a reverse branch back to VH and to queen and, you know, see those influences coming together too. Um, so yeah, I, you know, maybe, maybe the branches, or the seeds start in the same place, but the branches interconnect a little bit there. Yeah, that's a topic I, I'd love to when we do bring guests in and stuff to get other opinions. Mm. Yeah. But we've got we've got just under seven minutes to go. Oh my so gosh! We, let's start with the album cover. Whose idea and, was this? <laughs> the album cover, the title track. We, we yes. gotta go. Okay, so uh, album cover: little kid, angel wings, fifties haircut, smokes. Uh, I mean. Pretty iconic imagery. I don't know who did it. I'd be curious to. I've never really dug into that. Uh, uh, we'll have to look yeah, it up for I can't, a future. One. Uh, it's Margot Nahas, Nahas, N A H A S. Um, but what's hmm. interesting is the original cover was supposed to be like a standard rock and roll, like women dancing thing. But she declined to do it for some reason. But her husband showed the band her portfolio of other paintings. And this was actually a painting that she had already done. Ah. And they just picked it because it was perfect with, you know, the angel and the cigarettes. And it, oh, it, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's the rest is history. Like, it's one of the most iconic uh, album covers. We, we did say, at, I don't know if we said it out loud, but before this, we said, okay, today, because 1984, the track is somewhat short. We assume today would be more of an intro to the project than the album in general, and we would get to the track. But with with a little bit of time left, um, what what can we say about the track 1984? I, I'll let me throw this out here. This is just a feeling thing. Every time I hear 1984, especially when it gets to the the ride out at the end with all the little computery stuff going in the background, I feel like I am. Uh, in the 80s, online at Space Mountain in Disney World. <laughs> there, is, it is. <laughs> there is a tonal quality. You know, there's, there's that, that old-time analog synth, uh, uh, you know, retro-future kind of vibe to it that just makes me – it just immediately takes me there. And I don't – that's, that's, my, <laughs> that's my, my feeling from the track. I yeah, it's a great intro. I'm a sucker for analog synthesizers, and and that is just such a mm. cool sound, and it kind of you know makes sense with the whole progression from Eddie too. Like he started on piano, he played Wurlitzer on what Cradle of Rock. Yeah. There's some synth stuff in Dancing in the Streets, and then mm-hmm. Saturday Afternoon in the Park. So it just seems like the progression made sense to just bring more and more synths into van halen and you know this track basically lets you know you're in for something special and something different and something 
and maybe surprising too that you know the first track has no guitar right yeah <laughs> surprise well i do like that they've you know they've got their share of these weird uh in a wonderful way little tracks whether they're musical or not or you know uh obviously you've got your happy trails you've got i think what they called growth the little secret track at the end of women and children first um you know all sorts oh gosh intruder uh torah 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 um all just weird experimental stuff so it's a nice extension of that and it feels a little um look 1984 is a an iconic year uh just in a literary sense and it feels worthy of an intro that sets the tone and you know it's it's like hey the future is here that's that that's what that music says to me um you know the the other thing so just on a on a practical level as we're down to like 90 seconds to discuss this song or whatever um, just under 3 minutes 3 minutes all right uh but no on a practical so so uh it was the uh, was it the OBXA i think you had said uh Gabe I'm pretty sure because that's what Eddie says in in an interview that it was the OBXA. So I would assume he knows what it is. And it's like it was his studio at his house. Like, I think he would know what he used. But, you know, maybe you you never know. know. But, yeah, the the things I've read, it's either an OBXA or an OBX. But these are old time analog synth, lots of chips, wooden sides, lots of buttons and dials, no – uh, presets, you know what I mean? Like you're not going in and going like, oh, well, he came in and he he hit preset number seven and that's the sound for jump and he hit preset number six and that's the sound for this. It's it's a series of dials and switches and filters and envelopes and and uh, and and oscillators and things like that. I can't even imagine Eddie, who who you know usually plays himself as a very non tech guy sitting there and dialing these knobs to get these tones. You know what I mean? Um, and, and you always hear the stories of uh, anytime he got something to sound the way he wanted it, it went on fire or something like that, which I th- I'm sure that's just a bit of rock and roll right there. But, um, but you know, he's got on, uh, on 1984, it is not the same sounds as on Jump. It's not the same sound as on I'll Wait. Um it's not the one from uh, Dancing in the Street. You know, it's you've got a split keyboard on it on on the the low end side. He's got the uh, the the filters with the where you'd have that that kind of envelopey low that boink boink boink, and with the 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 rolling filter on top of it going up and down as he goes. And on the uh, on its right hand, he's got um, a real nice fade in. I guess it's the equivalent of a synthetic, a synth version of strings almost. Yeah. But, I think that's like a string patch kind of thing, you know, but it is just dialed in, you know, it's not, uh, it wasn't just a ready to go. And it's got that, you know, those, those classic old synth strings where like you'd hit it and the note fades in a little bit, you know, um, lots of reverb, lots of overlap. And of course at the end, you know, he, he lets that last, little uh filter come back down and then starts twisting the knobs till he just gets the little in the background which is just a chef's kiss well and with what little time we have left there is a wonderful live version on youtube of 1984 that's like it's five or six minutes long where he just kind of goes crazy uh which is definitely worth looking for awesome (laughs) 
That's I, it. I believe the timer has sounded. <laughs> I, you know, we, we eventually talked about the song. That was pretty good. It was perfect. Well, hey, uh, thank you uh, guys for, for, for joining me on this, this journey and for hosting it. Thank you to everybody at home for, for listening, assuming they still are. <laughs> what do we have next? The next one we do is going to be really exciting. It's going to be Jump. Yeah. Probably the most, one of the most famous Van Halen songs. Probably the song people most associate with this album. Probably, maybe. It's their biggest hit. Yeah. So that'll be really exciting. And that should be coming fairly soon for folks. <laughs> or this ends up being... A mistake, and this is the only one we release. So it's one, one of the one or the other. Someday, years from now, people will talk as like, "Oh, remember when they were going to do this very achievable goal?" <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> like they they spent three minutes on the first song, and that was it. Uh, now, jump will be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to a lot of the other songs too. I don't know about you guys. I've been running running Van Halen '84 in the car every once in a while just to keep it fresh. I've been listening to it way too much. I keep, I'll like wake up in the morning. You ever wake up in the morning and like a song's already playing in your head? Oh yeah. Or is that, okay. That happens to me all the time in the last like two weeks. It's been songs from 1984. (laughs) (laughs) It's working. Excellent. You know, folks, you should leave us an Apple Podcast review. Hey, leave a review for this episode. Tell us what you thought of this. Be like, never do that again. (laughs) Too bad we're going to keep doing it. Um, but, you know, uh, to do that and leave us a review on there, and we love it, and Spotify reviews. Yeah, and check out our website, lastpointspodcast.com, and make sure you're following us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and uh, maybe we'll start a Van Halen super chill group. I don't know. <laughs> well, and for me, you can find uh, both of my companies at uh, tomspinadesigns.com if you happen to like movies and monsters, and regalrobot.com if you happen to like licensed, cool, amazing Star Wars stuff. And we are at Tom Spina Designs and at Regal Robot on social media. Uh, drop us a line, look us up on social, leave the reviews with the, the Blast Points group, tweet at us. Send us messages on on uh, social or email. Let us know what you think. I'd be I'd be curious if other people are are interested in hearing the rest of this show. And hopefully, uh, hopefully, they're going to have as much fun as we have making it. And Gabe and I will be back next week with uh, well, back to normal, whatever normal means for an episode of Last Points. But <laughs> we'll be we'll be back with Star Wars next week. And I think we might be back with Tom before you know it too. So. Yeah, we've got some exciting things hopefully happening in the near future with Tom. So, right? Always. Yeah. So, everybody look forward to that. And, yeah, look forward to Jump coming soon. And, hey, thank you all so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. It's like it's like we're doing it for the first time. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I forgot how this feels. I don't yeah. like it. Oh goodness.